joining us on this week's edition of The Back Peg. It's a pleasure to re-welcome to the podcast, writer for us in Madrid. It's a pleasure to re-welcome Joe Brennan. Thank you for joining us. Hey guys, nice to be back and uh, thanks for having me again. Yes, Joe, we had you on for our Making Wave series, previewing Spain's chances at the Women's World Cup, eh? Didn't turn out too badly on the pitch. Not so bad, actually, on the pitch, yeah. Um, I don't want to go into it too early, but I think I picked Germany to win. <laughs> As did I. <laughs> Less said I about that, the better. Uh, no, yeah, I hang on, hang on. I get a chance to gloat here. I actually picked Spain <laughs> to go into the final, right? There you go. <laughs> but uh, yes, uh, Joe, as it played out, Spain were absolutely fantastic and played some scintillating football and best encapsulated by the final. Actually, their performance in the first half in particular was just unreal. Yeah, they played the best football in the tournament and mm. without sounding too simple, straight off the bat, they won because they were the, just the best team, better yeah. than everybody else, even against an England team that looked like they just couldn't lose. Um, and in the final, it was everything worked, the system worked, the press worked. Um, and then Ola got that goal that's gone down in history. We haven't spoke about it in Spain as much as we might have liked to, <laughs> as I'm sure we'll get on to. But yes. yeah, it was a, a historic day for, for the country. Absolutely. And we'll talk about the fallout from that in just a moment. But from your perspective, Joe, what was it like watching the World Cup from Spain, given the time zone and everything surrounding the team off the field and in the dugout during this tournament? What was it like? The interest and also, where were your allegiances heading into the final? So in terms of Spain, um, how Spain experienced the World Cup, I think the times of the kickoffs did affect a lot of the viewer, viewing numbers. Um, people go to work fairly early, generally here. At least they arrive at work early and then they finish early. So having a kickoff at 6, 7, 8 in the morning or maybe even earlier was a bit of a hindrance. Until the later rounds when the media did pick up on on the story and used it as their number one story through from the say the quarterfinals onwards maybe um and then once Spain got to the final it was a huge event that millions and millions of people watched on terrestrial tv the aftermath not counting the off pitch things hasn't been as anywhere near as big as anyone would have liked it to be i went into the flagship adidas store on the main street in madrid on gran via just to have a look and see what they had what they had out there and they had the men's shirts the men's shorts and a couple of leftover footballs that they hadn't sold. They told me that they were going to get some stuff in next week, but we'll see, you know. In terms of me, for my allegiances, I was going for Spain just because this country's given me a lot and it takes me, it takes a lot for me to get behind the England football team and I'll leave it there. <laughs> Thank God it didn't go home. So... <laughs> but um, now we have to talk about the off-the-pitch drama and what's actually happened, transpired from Stadium Australia that evening and the fallout from there. And one gets the impression from here that that is just a minor reflection of, or it's, I guess, a, a manifestation, for want of a better term, of what some of the issues may have been uh, prior to the World Cup. Is that right, looking at it from afar? Are these issues are the issues that have uh, been circling around and, and they just came to the fore as a result of the World Cup celebrations? Or I don't think it's as cut and dry as the 15 players mm -hmm. who signed the first email didn't go to the squad because of sexist sure. and 
horrible mm, machista, as you're saying in yep. Spanish. I don't really know what the English word is for that. Um, values and ways of seeing the world. Sure. Um, I think it was a lot to do with conditions such as mm, training, travel, mm-hmm. um, accommodation, things like this. But mm-hmm. it doesn't take, you know, a genius to draw a line from one thing to the other of Rubiales thinks he can treat women in this way and he doesn't put the infrastructure in place that the team think they deserve. You know, they're not, it, as I said, the team, the Spanish players didn't stop going to the Spain team because of overt sexism or overt, like, obvious sexist incidents. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not hard to draw a line from one thing to the other. Um, but what we've seen over the past few days, I was doing a timeline mm-hmm. since 20th and it started quite nice, you know, Spain win the World Cup. And then from there, it just, it's a big spider web. <laughs> Um, Spain winning the World Cup is the easiest part to put in because everything else is so complicated mm. and so nuanced and so just depressing that yeah, it's been quite the week. Um, but yeah, I don't to just answer the question there. I don't think that sexism and these values and attitudes that we've seen from Rubiales were that was the main reason. Although it might have had something, you know, it's all nuanced and it's all yeah, in, inherently or something like that. So yeah, where yeah. where it's come from, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then, oh, sorry, no, no, I was just going to talk about the fallout, basically, that it's all like, where are we now? I, I was trying to do like a day-to-day thing, as I say. And when I wrote, Rubiales' mother locks herself in the local chapel and refuses to eat, I just nearly threw my pen on the floor thinking about how <laughs> how crazy this week has been. Yeah, it's, I, I suppose, amazing is one way to describe it. Depends on your perspective, I suppose. But this story has just grown from the biggest story in women's football to the biggest story in football full stop. And there's only been maybe one or two stories in the past couple of months that could eclipse it in terms of how much focus it's getting. Is that a credit to this Spanish team for what they've been able to potentially generate and shine a light on some of the issues in Spanish women's football? Is it more of a shame that they can't just go out there and be athletes and be the best team in the women's game? Good question. Yeah, it shouldn't take winning for this to come to light. I think is. A, a huge point behind it all. Um, if I mean we're talking hypotheticals, but if England had have won, then Rubiales wouldn't have kissed Jenny Edmonds, and wouldn't we wouldn't be where we are now. The problems would still be there. So it's good, and I'm doing air quotes that this happened to generate the reaction and to mm, hopefully end where it we all want it to end. Um, but yeah, it's just utterly, utterly depressing. Um, the Spanish players have been asking for this for a while, and I think. The issue when it first came out back last year after the Euros was the lack of specific examples of what the players were actually complaining about, which just led to a, a vacuum that was filled with is Villa doing this, is Villa mm. doing that, is Villa doing this and that. Now we're seeing what the problems are. So, yeah, in a sense, it's good that it's happened and we just hope it could be Spain's um, Me Too movement, really, because it's just highlighted in a rot on the inside of the Federation that has obviously been there for years and that with everything that's come out, Rubiales has done absolutely nothing to get rid of. He's, in, he's instead stood in the centre of it and mm, fed off it. So, Joe, one of the most fascinating parts of this fallout has been the extraordinary general congress, I think, if that's the right term, uh, or the extraordinary general meeting that was held by the Federation in the aftermath. And maybe we've lost some things in translation here, but we essentially got the gist that Rubalis was quite strong in the sense that uh, he was determined not to resign and 
saying that he won't be pushed or he won't be forced. And obviously there was a show for the cameras and support from um, both the men's and the women's national coaches. But what are some takeaways from that or that we may have missed in the English-speaking world, right, as far as the nuances are concerned, that have come to light that are really of concern? Because it seems to me that there's a bit of a a power play as well with regards to the re- the way that the regional aspect of the federations work. And here's an opportunity now for, you know, the political machinery around football to come in now. And, and is this like, Rubiales's uh, way of trying to address that issue as well? Um, I think the General, Assem- General Assembly meeting was one of the most extraordinary things I've ever seen in my life, when Rubiales, there was no, there was no mistranslation. You didn't miss anything. It was as black and white, as cut and dry as I am not leaving. I am not leaving five times over and over to rapturous applause from the from the people sat below him, um, including Jorge Villa and Luis de la Fuente, the women's mm. and men's managers. Um, the Rubiales also offered Jorge Villa a new contract on the spot. Which is extraordinary. For four years and <laughs> half a million euros a year going a, from... A public contract negotiation. It's just insane, right? Oh, it wasn't a negotiation. It was a public offer. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> right. I, am, I mean, exactly. if, Jorge is gonna, if he's going to go from 170,000 a year to half a million and he wants to negotiate that... Well, that's uh, a yeah. Well, But yeah, um, that, that I've been told is not legally binding. Um, so that I wouldn't have thought so. Because <laughs> um, there was some speculation as to, well, he said it and he's the boss, but it obviously has to go through In different board. people. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, everything that happened at this meeting, was it a stunt? Was it staged in the sense that he he we all had the impression that he was going to this meeting to resign and then partway through it gets up and says, I'm not leaving something out of Wolf of Wall Street. Was that the plan from the get-go or was it a change of heart mid-meeting? It, Yeah, it's a great point. Everybody was briefed that Rubiales was on his way out and this did, came from the Federation. Where else is it going to come from? And then he stands up like maybe an ex-president of the United States might and shouts, I'm not leaving. Um, <laughs> it seems like a huge power play from Rubiales to say, I can tell you whatever I want and then I'm going to do whatever I want. And if those two things are on the opposite ends of the scale, then so be it because I'm the president and you can't touch me. Then one of the other crazy things, just while we're racking them off, is that um, Ruelas actually told, or the Federation, told UEFA to punish the Federation because of government intervention in the whole thing. Because after just about to Ruelas ask you that. apology, mm. Pedro Sanchez, the, the acting prime minister, said that it was not enough, which it wasn't. It was, I'm sorry if, if you feel bad apology, one of those ones. And that was said to be not enough by government, who then opened an investigation into his behaviour. Rubiales said this was government intervention in on the Federation, which is not allowed according to FIFA and UEFA. Yeah. So the Federation asked for UEFA to potentially expel Spanish clubs from UEFA competitions, which is really tearing the house down as as you leave for the last time. And that ban would extend to the national teams as well. As I imagine result. so, yeah. 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 yeah, Nations League and Euro and things like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, because uh, as you were saying that, uh, that was the next question I was going to ask you, actually, is because of the um, commentary from the government, what would have been the, the ramifications from a FIFA and UEFA perspective as, you know, being reported in Spain at the, at the minute? But I was unaware that Rubiales actually... Petitioned UEFA and FIFA to say, "Hey, ban the RFEF from 
from uh, competition, which yeah, is extraordinary. It really was burning your own house down as you're sitting inside it, not letting anybody else in to put the fire out. Um, UEFA rejected the proposal, and then the Territorial Committee had held a meeting a mm-hmm. couple of days ago, and they, with their new interim president, um, Rocha, they mm-hmm. asked UEFA to reject or to take away the proposal from themselves. Um, so things seem to be settling down in terms of crazy things that the Federation are going to do mm. between today and tomorrow. Um, although we still don't know what's happening with Jorge Villa. There's still, believe it or not, there's a lack of um, agreement within that territorial board and the board of directors as to what to do with him. Mm-hmm. Villa wants to stay on, not as manager. He's prepared to be sacked, which is probably going to happen next week. But he wants a role within the Federation quite extraordinarily. It's an incredibly cheeky move, to be honest, to have the cojones to ask for mm. a job in a company that's sacking you, you know? So, but I think that just, it's another indication of the attitudes and ways of being that exist within the Federation. Yeah, just, there's so many aspects of this story that I'd like to go into. And from the, the fallout, pretty much everyone from the coaching staff, bar Jorge Vilda has resigned, if I'm if I've read that correctly, and all the players have resigned from the national team as well. So is it right that Jorge Vilda is the last person standing from everyone that came out here to Australia? And where to from here, really? Because, look, there might be some crazy story that comes out by the time this podcast comes out and uh, this story evolves once more. <laughs> I wouldn't, a couple I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I wouldn't put any money on it not happening, yeah. yeah. I've seen a couple already today. But maybe, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. Go, go for it. Yeah, and just where to from here? Because it just seems to rumble on and on. Yeah, where to from here? Um, well, the Rubiales will hopefully go. Uh, Villa will probably go, well, most definitely go as the manager. Um, whether or not he gets another job inside the Federation, I don't know. Um, you mentioned the statement that was signed on the 25th of August, I think. Mm. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um by the 23 world champions and a host of other players taking the total up to around 80 players who mm. have refused flatly to go back to the team while the current management is in charge. Um, is it right that Villa's the last person standing? Absolutely not, because 11 of his staff, all of his staff, from the assistant managers to the physios, to the data anal- analysts, to goalkeeping coaches have all resigned. Um, I can't begin to think like these people mm, have not had the same influence on the team and have obviously resigned in protest to Villandro Rubiales' attitudes towards yeah. how everything's gone. Um, I can uh, I can't imagine how sad it must be to win the World Cup and then then a few days later resign in protest at your boss's attitudes. But then you look at all the players who decided not to go to the World Cup and decided against ultimately winning a World Cup for what they believe in. So yeah, it's just an incredibly sad situation and where we go from here we just see what happens day by day hopefully we see some changes in personnel i know villa is not the only person who's um packing his desk to leave there's a couple of rubiales's um assistants or right hand people you know people close to him who are also on the way out um so yeah we're just waiting to see what happens day by day really no, i i wouldn't predict who's going to come back who's going to be the next manager i know there's been a couple of names mentioned Sonia Bermudez, who's the under-19s coach, a former player, she's the favourite, but whether she wants to, 
nobody knows. Mm. So yeah, that's a bit of a, a bit of a question mark at the minute. Well, this situation is unheard of, unprecedented, and currently, as it stands, and we should mention all the eighty-one players that signed that that um, correspondence or that letter in protest. They're both male and female players as part of that eighty-one, and for all intents and purposes, there is no current national senior women's team in Spain and no current men's national senior team in Spain. And you've got Nations League around the corner for both men and women. It, it, you know, it, it's an extraordinary situation. It's yeah. quite unprecedented, nothing like it. Um, where, so, sorry to Yeah, go on now, of course. The, 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 a quite um, another depressing thing to add to the list of depressing things we've talked about is the <laughs> lack of men's players, male players who've actually come out and said anything. Um, mm. All of these women players on the 25th of August, made a social media campaign, um, roughly translated as, it's over, this is the mm. end of it. Um, and lots of players came out in support of Virginia Hermoso. Only mm. a handful of male players did that. Okay. Um, Borja Iglesias from Real Betis did it. Hector Bellerin, former yeah. Arsenal right-back, he did it. He's a very um, socially aware mm. player. And it, would, it didn't surprise me to see him come out in support of Virginia Hermoso. But apart from that, you could count them on one hand, the names of the male players who've actually said something in, in their huge position of power, even on social media. You know, if you've got um, anybody from the first team in in Spain, you know, Rodri from Manchester City, if mm. he came out in support of Genia de Mosso on social media, all the millions of young men who follow him mm. would think, why has he said this? Oh, maybe I could think like that. Mm. So that's a bit upsetting that we haven't seen the male players' support, but the Nations League squad for the men's team is announced tomorrow, right. Friday. Yep. Um, and I wouldn't want to speculate if it'd have anything yeah. to do with that. I have no idea. Mm. I genuinely don't. Um, but it's the silence is very interesting. I'll just leave it there. Yeah, and to contrast it with the amount of players that came out in support of Benjamin Mendy not long ago, mm. it's it really does scream night and day the difference in response, and it's it doesn't take much to weigh it up and identify because it is so much. It's so overt in well, its absence. To be fair, though, on the flip side of that, during the last round of the league, I, I, I distinctly remember Kadir having um, some, some some messages of support as a team. Oh yeah, and and likewise, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Sevilla. Yep. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so we've the, seen it. Yeah. yeah. So there have been clubs that have you know, and the players obviously associated with those clubs actually making a statement. Although I would counter that by saying the players standing in front of a banner yeah. that takes a picture with yeah. the rest of the teammates is not the same as a personal statement of no, I right. believe I'm willing to put my career or short-term yep. success on the line. Because let's be honest, if the Spanish captain comes out tomorrow and says he's supporting Jenny and he doesn't play in this round of Nations League fixtures, mm-hmm. it's That's not going to affect him for the Euros next June or July. Sure, mm, It's going to be a short-term whirlwind on social media of misogynists mm. saying, why are you doing this? Mm. He turns his phone off and he's in the squad in December. Yeah. Um, I think it would have a, a huge impact if the male players were to even just not do not do something on their own, but join in with the, their female counterparts mm, of agreed. Barcelona, of the same club, you know, mm, um, or the, the Spanish national team, the same mm. team, essentially. Um, yeah, it's a bit depressing, but let's see what happens over the weekend. Let's see who gets called up to the men's mm. team. If maybe things have been said in private, we're not sure yet. But this squad tomorrow for the men's team could potentially be interesting. Yeah, we shall wait to see what comes out of that and whether there is any inference from any of the players regarding the situation with Jenny Amoso. One crazy aspect that we haven't touched on is 
everything surrounding Rubiales's mother. Talk us about <laughs> talk to us about that and just where we stand on that story because it, that is another aspect that just boggles the mind. Yeah, this is when you started seeing the this is going to be a great Netflix documentary memes on Twitter when the mother, um, I think she's called Angeles Bejar, she declared that she was going to stay in the church after everybody had left, after the, the priest had left, and she was locking herself in there, and that she wasn't going to eat until the, quote, bloodthirsty hunt of her son was over. Um, It's in a small village in Granada, so in the south of Spain. Um, so you can imagine the typical idyllic white villages with the white church. She's, in, mm. she's an old Spanish lady locked in one of those lovely-looking churches. The latest update that we have is that she's actually out of the church, and um, after being moved to hospital under guidance from the priest, I, I mean, I don't know how old she is, but Ruelis is 45, I think. So yeah. you can imagine how old she might be. Yeah. Um, a lady like that's not going to be able to do a hunger strike for a long time, you wouldn't imagine. Um, so she's eating now anyway. That hunger strike's over, I think, under medical advice. That's the latest. But yeah, it just was the late. It just was the... The thing that I don't want to say it's not humorous; it's just extraordinary. No, that's right. Yeah, it just highlighted the absolute craziness of this whole situation that the mother could put herself in the spotlight. Mm. Um, but it's also curious, and I'm not um, drawing any lines. I'm just highlighting yeah. it that other female family members of Rubiales came out in support of him. Yeah. Um, and the only male family member to come out in support or to come out to talk about Rubiales is his uncle, yeah. who used to work with him. Um, until he was fired. He worked with him at the Federation and he came out yesterday and said a whole host of um, accusations against Rubiales that, if true, would be would be hugely damaging for him. Um, but yeah, that's the latest update on the yeah. moment that she's still going, but she's not on the hunger strike anymore. That that was the craziest part about There's two crazy things that I've, um, I've seen today was one that you've just mentioned there, Joe, was the uncle and him speaking out. But also... Um, the some TikTok video that's come out saying that comparing the Rubiales kiss with him also to the kiss that uh, Ica Casillas got from his partner, yeah, at the you know when Spain won the 2010 that's, World Cup, yeah, yeah, in the post match press conference, yeah. Which look, I, I don't know where that comes from or how that comes about or how that's being portrayed in the media in Spain or what the situation is. It's just you know, adds a layer that's probably not warranted and is actually probably blurring the lines here because. The issue should be a one of professional conduct to you know from the Bialis, right? And is his position tenable currently, right? And what are the measures that are being taken? So right now, as it stands, he hasn't stood down or he hasn't been stood down. Is that correct? He's been officially for ninety days by FIFA. Right. Yeah, FIFA. Yeah, but with the RFEF, as far as the RFEF is concerned, there's an interim president in his place. Okay. Right. And the Federation have asked for Rubiales to step down, okay. which he has not yet. Um, in terms of the comparison to the kiss with Iker Casillas and Sara Carbonero from the World Cup final, I despair, really. Yeah, it's got it's... nothing to do with it. This is not... Rubiales was, is, is, was Gini Hermoso's male boss. And exactly. In public, he puts her in a situation that she can't yeah, get out yeah. of, and he forcefully kisses his employee in front yes. of millions of people for everybody to see. It's a case of sexual misconduct and it needs resolving mm -hmm. the Casillas one was not comparable in any way shape no, that's or. right it's not even a debate the people yeah. who are putting those videos up um know that bad news and bad opinions spread quicker than yeah than reasonable. yeah and that's it all boils down to a case of 
sexual harassment in the workplace. And through a football lens, some things often go with a bit of a softer touch and typically you're able to get away with things a bit more in a sporting context than you would away from a sporting context. But this is by far and away something that just can't be swept under the rug. And you mentioned FIFA. Are you disappointed that we haven't heard from Alexander Seferin or Gianni Fantino off the back of this scandal? Yes, there's an official standing down or suspension for 90 days, but the bosses of UEFA and FIFA have been quiet on this story. You shouldn't answer a question with a question, but is anybody surprised? No. I mean, Gianni Infantino, I have my opinions on him. They're not great. <laughs> Feel uh, free to share them as we refer to him. <laughs> I'll present them to I you. Saw him yes. at the, <laughs> I, I, I watched the Inter-Miami game last night against Nashville in MLS, and he was sitting there mm. with Jorge Mas, the president of Inter-Miami, and I just shook my head in disgrace that I had to look at this man on the telly, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not surprised in the slightest that mm. we've had no um, official word from those two personally. I know that Ruelas and Seferin are quite friendly with each other. Um, lads sticking up for lads in the workplace yeah, is the horrible yeah. sentence that is the reality, basically. It's, you know, men sticking up for men because they both know they're in a position of power and it's just utterly, utterly depressing and mm-hmm. Makes one to smash my laptop to pieces. As I say, though, we will see what happens. Um, the Federation are under new interim uh, management or governance. So we'll see if the wheels start moving in terms of getting rid of Villa and Ruelis that way. Because if you ask me to put my faith in FIFA and UEFA, I'd kindly decline. And just on that, <laughs> is there a long-term light at the end of the tunnel in terms of the RFEF? Is it the case that you remove Rubiales, you remove Jorge Vilda and don't give him a new job in the Federation? Then we can sort of start to see a progression within the Federation or is it the case that it's rotten beyond these two individuals and it would take something as drastic as tearing it all down and starting again before we actually get somewhere? Burning it all down and starting again sounds good but I think um, it's pretty Damning when you hear that out of 140 directors, I think that's right, in the Federation. I think six of them are women, maybe less, maybe it's four. Um, I think that's right. And there's no, there's very little chance that we see a new president being a woman. I'd love it to happen. Maybe Sonia Bermudez, if she doesn't want to do the manager's job, mm. she can become the new president. You know, we'll get a new figure who's actually going to put these issues who's not actually going to sweep them under the carpet and say, this is all new. Let's just start from zero. They're going to start from zero, but work to progress and improve. The chances of that happening, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I don't want to sound pessimistic. I think this is definitely a huge moment and the worldwide Mm. coverage of this, I've been told it's the number one, it has been the number one news story, not just sports news, but general news in the UK for a couple of days. Mm. Um, The worldwide coverage has definitely definitely meant that they can't sweep it under the carpet. They just can't. It's gone too far now. Um, but yeah, burning everything down and starting again with somebody who's not a horrible misogynist in charge sounds like a good plan. Mm, it just needs to happen. They just need to put the wheels in motion and get over the ambiguity of will we, won't we, sack Villa? Just sack him. <laughs> just, yeah. just start everything again. Look where we are. The Federation imposed tried to impose sanctions on themselves from UEFA to get clubs expelled. How ma- how mad can things get? And you know? also trying to sue Hermosa as well. It's, yeah, it's it's, it's an absolutely crazy situation. Um, mm. And you're right, you know, maybe it is the only way for um, progress to be made as far as, you know, uh, and, and a clean slate to be achieved. Um, and it is depressing because 
a World Cup victory should be celebrated. And in fact, well, the air's been taken out of it because of all this issue. Well, how many players of the squad did we mention now? None. Two? All of them, yeah, Jenny? Just, yeah, that's right. Mm. We yep. should be talking about the entire 23 players Correct. all play a huge role in Correct. a fantastic team who play fantastic football despite the problems with a huge mental resilience to be able to put these things aside and play on the pitch and win a damn World Cup, you know? This should be the a, a huge, huge non-stop conversation of how amazing these and talented this generation of players are for Spain. And we've just spent half an hour and we haven't mentioned it once. I'm um, not blaming you guys. No, no, exactly right. I'm going to take it's, you back uh, to our preview, though. I remember something that you said about the squad, and you mentioned cut the call, right? For me, that is just – and when we saw uh, Cole actually appear in, in, in the finals, we, I went back to our preview and I thought, bloody hell, he's picked the spot on here. It's just incredible, right? It's just an incredible scenario to have, say, you know, Barcelona's third keeper actually be a World Cup winner. Crazy, crazy, and nobody would have predicted it. No. Nah. Uh, genuinely, because Misa went into that World Cup as the number one. Sandra Baños Barcelona's number one wasn't in the squad on sporting reasons, not because she rejected mm. the call-up. She didn't get in. And Catacoy was the substitute for Barcelona and Spain. She was thought of in that moment as the future um, number one for the long, long, long term. And that train has come a lot sooner than we all thought. Mm. Um, Misa is an excellent goalkeeper, but Cata got over some physical issues that she had in previous years and nobody was getting past her in the World Cup final. <laughs> um, I think there was a throw-in in the 97th minute or something or a corner and she caught it and you could just hear the stadium, just however many people were in there, you could mm. just hear a gasp mm. from all four sides of the of the stadium. She was uh, she was excellent for every, in every game she played, really. And I think this is a good place to really wrap it up a little bit talking about some of the players on the pitch and it's amazing what the Spanish team have been able to achieve in terms of winning the World Cup with uh, a bunch of players who weren't there on moral reasons as well as uh, not quite fully fit Alexi Puteas and it's amazing to think provided they can sort these issues out off the field even not to a complete revamp entirely just get everything in a decent state moving forward how far this team and this squad can almost dominate women's football for the next decade. Yeah, I met um, a family member actually after the final just uh, for a drink and he said, I saw one of your tweets that said Alexia's on the bench for the final. Is she not the best player in the world or something? And I <laughs> said, yeah. And he said, so how come they left her on the bench? And I said, well, because Spain have got the talent to be able to do that. Um, and normally a two-time Ballon d'Or winner left on the bench, you'd think, oh, let's just risk it for the final. You know, if she comes off injured, it's the final. But Spain have the talent in the squad to be able to leave Alexia on the bench, win the World Cup final. And that just highlights the extraordinary talent that's come through despite yeah. everything. Um, and tal young talent that can look to the future as well, yeah. which I think is the most exciting thing. This is definitely, it's a cliche, but it's got to be the beginning of putting this team right and making this team the best they can be. Could be a dynasty if they get it right. Could be a dynasty. It's definitely. Joe, wanted to thank you for your time and joining us from Madrid again. Absolute pleasure to have you on the back pig again. Oh, it's been great. Um, hopefully next time we can talk about something a bit happier. <laughs> Let's talk about everything being solved and perfect. But yeah, thanks, guys. <laughs>